the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Factors not available in all. The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. Jesus, send the rain. Send the rain. 
we're dying without your Holy Spirit power and presence. The work is either small and sickly or it's large and booming because of all the worldliness, because of all the things of this world that are used from music to entertainment to Super Bowl parties. Lord, almost everything happening in your church in America today is a result of human flesh, not of your spirit. And so the lost are dying and they're not being brought into the kingdom. And Lord, the only way this can change is if you'll send your spirit. Would you come and break the power of the mighty man who holds sway over Washington, D.C. and over America? Will you bind the strong man today? Oh, Lord, send the rain. We pray in your name. Amen. Last night at the All Saints Anglican Church, we held a Revival Now meeting. The music was in place. I was there to preach. Others were there to do the sound. Alexandra was there to lead in directed prayer to close out the service. Everything had been prepared. The program was prepared and printed. Everything was there, and we were ready. A total of 13 people in a sanctuary that seats 400. Now I'm being completely unvarnished. I asked the people to look around at all the empty seats. And I said to them, this is what the church looks like without the Holy Spirit. Now I could have added, this is what the church looks like without the Holy Spirit and without a name music group and lots of marketing without flesh. So you either have to choose you're going to go bare waiting on the Holy Spirit and have 13 people show up for a meeting and you're going to preach your heart out like it's a full congregation or you've got to do the flesh deal and play church and convince people to come. Well, many, many were invited. You were all invited out of the radio listening audience, there were three people there. I was grateful for those three people, a mother and two sons. We're at a dead-end place. We're either forced to go play church and pretend that everything is okay and exercise all of the skills of guerrilla marketing and all of the skills of the flesh and bring in the world, or we're going to have bare, empty services until the power of the Holy Spirit comes 
and he opens what's necessary. We need a heavenly visitation. So today we're going to share with you a heavenly visitation that took place in Argentina, a time of deep intercession that resulted in the magnificent flowing out of the Holy Spirit. I'm Ray Greenley, pastor of the National Prayer Chapel. You're listening to Pilgrim's Progress. With me in studio is my wife, Alexandra. Welcome. So, Alexandra is going to begin the reading for us, A Heavenly Visitation. Yes, and this reading comes from the same book that we read from yesterday, and the incident we're about to read happened two years after what we read yesterday. And if you're watching this, uh, listening to this at home, you can also watch us on YouTube right now. We're streaming live. So I'll begin reading. The chapter is called A Heavenly Visitation. Daniel 9. I set my face unto the Lord God. I prayed unto the Lord my God and made my confession. While praying, Gabriel talked with me, saying, Thy words were heard. I am come for thy words. The midnight hour had long ago passed. All nature seemed stilled and expectant. The very heavens, filled with glittering stars, appeared to draw closer and closer. Out from the depths of the heart of a young Polish lad, a cry, born of God, ascended into the very heavens. God heard. His answer came. Was it imagination? This strange feeling, the very stars seeming to press down upon him. Brighter and brighter they appeared until they were great orbs of fire. Then, in their intense light, a greater light appeared. A being from the heavenly world drew near until it enfolded him. The lad, still in his teens, found himself in the very presence of God, holy, majestic, and terrible. A great fear fell upon him. Jumping up from his knees, Alexander fled in terror back to the refuge of the Bible Institute, little realizing the part he was destined to play in the great move of God in Argentina, little knowing why he had been burdened for so many months in deep burning prayer that had robbed him of so many nights of sleep. Out in the fields and the forest of this Chaco home, and now in the early morning hours in the sweet meadows, that surrounded the institute, Alexander had continued to pray, and now God had come to him. Inside the institute building, located in City Bell, a small town near the great metropolis Buenos Aires, Argentina, everyone was tranquilly sleeping, little anticipating the drama about to unfold. Outside, Alexander pounded in desperation on the door, to his terror, finding it locked. He called out for someone to let him in. Finally, one of the students awoke, recognized his voice, and arose to let him in. Thinking to escape the awful presence that accompanied him, Alexander ran inside the building, but the heavenly visitor entered with him. In a few moments, all the students were wide awake. As they felt the holy presence, the fear of God fell upon them. 
they began to repent, crying out to God for forgiveness. The Spirit of the Lord, holy and mighty, dealt with them all. No one present could escape the holy fire of his presence. One girl, unwilling to uncover her sin, repent, and abandon it, quickly packed her suitcase and disappeared. For many nights afterwards, the students feared to be alone. Even those in one room would vault into one bed, not even bothering to take off their shoes, for the fearful presence of a living holy God had accompanied our angelic visitor, and the students were afraid. The next morning, June 5th, 1951, we all gathered for the announced time of prayer, which was to replace regular class schedules. Outside, a great storm tore the atmosphere as if there was a great conflict in the skies about us. Inside the Institute, an air of expectancy hushed all to silence as we waited for God to move. A few moments after we began to pray, our heavenly visitor came again and stood by the side of Alexander, who was transported in spirit by this mighty being to faraway countries. He began to make journeys over the face of the earth, looking down and seeing many cities and knowing the name of each one he was taken to visit. He opened his lips and began to speak, slowly, deliberately, distinctly, repeating each word twice or more, telling us the name of each city he visited. Cities, city after city. Beginning with cities in Argentina, he then moved out from country to country, just as if he was deliberately reading off the names from an atlas. Neither student nor traveler could have named such a long list, much less this lad from the forest jungles of Chaco, with barely a primary school education. As he moved in spirit from country to country, he gave the name of each city in the language of the country, English, German, Slavic, Arabic, and languages we didn't know. He told us afterwards how he looked down and had seen the sensation and had the sensation that he was visiting the cities one by one. Hour after hour, the naming of the cities continued, cities the Lord promised to visit before the end comes. The next morning we gathered. We gathered again for prayer. The Spirit of the Lord brought us all into strong intercession. Students and missionaries were milded together under his power. As we waited, our visitor manifested himself and stood by the side of Alexander. He could not be seen in human form, but manifested himself so markedly that we all knew that he had come. In spirit, he was seen by Alexander, who talked to him. Again, Alexander began to speak, repeating slowly and distinctly the words he heard from the angel. To those of us listening, it was a tongue altogether different from any other we had heard him use. But we couldn't understand what he was saying. At the same time, another lad came forcibly under the power of the Spirit of God, a national, young, and even less educated than Alexander. Celeso had often had discord and quarrels with Alexander, the nationals versus the foreigners, of different races, backgrounds, temperaments. There was no natural bond to unite them. Yet suddenly, upon this 
national lad, the Spirit of the Lord, also came. He opened his ears and caused him to understand as plainly as he could his own language all that was being said by Alexander in an unknown tongue. They became one in spirit. The content of the message so frightened him that he ran from the room. Outside he told others of the strange sensation and understanding he had in the chapel, and they urged him to go back to interpret the message for the rest. He complied, entered the chapel again, and tried to give the message. Then another strange thing took place. Every time he tried to speak, he choked up, as though an invisible hand would squeeze his throat shut. Frightened, he again ran from the room. Meanwhile, Alexander slowly and patiently repeated the words, knowing that Celeso should interpret them. When the lad ran from the room in spirit, Alexander knew he had gone and called him back. Yet Alexander's eyes were closed in prayer and worship, lost in the tremendous presence of this visitor whose atmosphere mightily surrounded us all. Several times that morning, Celeso ran out and was persuaded to return. He understood the strange and sometimes frightening message. Yet when he tried to speak, he would choke up. Frightened, he ran out again. Then finally someone suggested that if he couldn't speak, why didn't he write the message that came to him? So he began to write. It was just what God wanted. The message began to flow, noted first on a piece of scratch paper, then written on the blackboard or read for everyone to hear. Celeso, as God's scribe, wrote down the messages dictated by the angel and spoken in an unknown tongue by Alexander as he was in the spirit. God's desire was that the messages be written out and kept, not spoken, to be soon forgotten and lost. When the Spirit first fell upon the assembled group at the Institute, one young man, a medical student who has since received his doctor's degree, attending the class as a day student, was scandalized. This is of the devil and must be stopped, he protested. But when he read the first transcribed message, he was convinced it was of God. I know Celeso, he said, and his lack of education and literary ability, only God could cause him to write in a style like this. Meals were forgotten. An occasional sandwich or a quick lunch was sufficient. Sleep, a necessary interruption, was scanty. As the group continued on in prayer, the visitor would manifest himself and leave another message. Many hours were spent in deep prayer and intercession in the mighty power of God. After the first week, the visitor did not come so often. Yet the mighty presence of God continued upon all, forming a circle around the institute buildings of several yards. Strangers coming within that invisible radius remarked concerning the strange sensations they had as they entered the presence of the Lord. 
and all those whom God took into the strange, wonderful manifestations were sealed into extraordinary intercession in the Holy Spirit. They prayed such as I have never seen a group of people pray, although there was little understanding at the time of the purpose of the tremendous waves of intercession. Yet hour after hour, a great cry arose to God from each one present for God's intervention. Students, teachers, missionaries, bound together in diverse manifestations of His Spirit, weeping uncontrollably in deep brokenness before the Lord under the burden of the Spirit for Argentina. Because the power and presence of God made the very grounds around a vortex of spiritual activity, we did not sit around reading and meditating upon the angelic messages during those months. The presence of God was too real, the work of the Spirit in our own hearts too vital, the Bible too important a book to make the prophecies a center. The Lord himself was our center. Prayer became a strong, terrible crying out to God. The word of God, opened before us, became a constant handbook to guide us. The spoken word came forth in mighty anointings. Prophecy flowed as rivers from many vessels. God worked in individuals cleansing, transforming, and filling. For mercy and pardon, cries ascended to God. As the war in the heavenlies progressed, intercession reached out for lost souls, for the cities mentioned, for this great country so utterly bound in paganism, idolatry, and Catholic tenets of religious pretense, which satisfy by ritual, but leave the inner life a pitiful vacuum. All present were united by this mighty wave of intercession, which continued on hour after hour. Ever upwards, the Spirit of the Lord carried us. The fountains of the deep were opened as tears flowed like streams down the faces of those young folk caught up into God. He wept through them over his beloved world that did not know him and traveled on alone into an eternity without him. One missionary, prostrate on the floor for several hours, saw an unforgettable vision of the cross. Vacation time came. As several days had passed without the angel appearing again, we didn't know whether or not he would return, as he never referred to himself or his activities. A lifting of the Holy Spirit gave a certain respite, and clearly indicated that the Lord would have vacation days respected. Some of the students and teachers went to the town of Bolivar, and the Spirit of the Lord accompanied them there. One young man received a call to the ministry as a result of the visit of the young people. As I waited upon the Lord for his will and guidance for the resumption of classes, he spoke, clearly indicating an entirely new order, giving a list of the subjects to be taught exclusively from the Bible and the name of the teacher for each subject. Class time was extended from 45 minutes to two hours. Three classes were to be held daily, each teacher having an assigned class time. The classes were opened with prayer and waiting upon God until the Holy Spirit indicated the bringing forth of his word. Messages came when there was a full heart preparation to receive them. Through the following months, God honored this order and schedule, always anointing the teacher responsible for the class. 
the spirit of prophetic utterance was common. Often, the messages given through prophetic utterance confirmed the messages given previously by the angel, though the latter would still be in the hands of the scribe. There was a strong confirmation to the peculiar operation of the Holy Spirit through all that he had appointed. One young woman, a missionary's wife, had never taught in her life and was very frightened at the prospect. Only after much persuasion did she finally consent. To our surprise, when she took her first class and began to minister, the spirit of prophecy came upon her. For nearly an hour she brought forth a precious lesson, fully in accord with the subject assigned her, and fully prophetic. This happened in every one of her classes. The days that followed slipped by rapidly. The waves of deep intercession lifted as the word was ministered and the visits of our heavenly visitor became more infrequent. Among the many visions, messages, and diverse manifestations, the most important were the deep, heart-tearing intercessions, when our very souls were poured out before the Lord in a cry that originated in God himself. Then one Friday morning in September, the word of the Lord came forth directly and in mighty power. Weep no more. The lion of the tribe of Judah hath prevailed. Instructions and promises over Argentina followed, telling of the wonderful thing he was going to do. With this word came a mighty release. Immediately there was a change as if a great weight had fallen from off our shoulders. A song of praise was born in each heart. Great joy rested as a mantle upon each one present. The sound of laughter, at first strange to our ears, after the months of weeping were heard. The holy laughter of victory and praise occupied the place of sorrow and crying. Praise came forth as spontaneous as the intercession had come. God had come forth in victory, though understanding little at the time. We knew that all these weeks of intercession had not been in vain. We knew beyond all doubt that God had brought forth his plan and purpose into victory. Coming down from the glorious heights in the presence of God into the stormy atmosphere of the outside world, we heard strange news. A revelation had a revolution had broken out in government circles. It was abortive just lasting that day, but to us it was highly significant, as though it confirmed those things he had been telling us of his victory, as though a great hand had reached down to shake the very seat of the Argentine government, both physical and spiritual. That day, the ruling spirit of Argentina was bound, and the strong man of Argentina was overcome. The lion of Judah's tribe had again prevailed. Michael had once again come forth in battle to help the children of the Lord. The angelic visitor had mentioned Michael, our prince. Jesus had said, How can one enter into a strong man's house and spoil his goods, except he first bind the strong man? and then he will spoil his house. Up to that day, Argentina had been under a terrible handicap. The ruling prince of this country ruled his kingdom almost unhindered. The work of God was pitifully small. 
the few scattered works had been raised up with great sacrifice. If a small church had a few conversions a year, it was considered most successful. A miracle of healing or a baptism in the Holy Spirit was a most outstanding event. The prince of evil was not bound. The strong man still possessed his house and his goods. But from that day on, the Lord began to speak hope into our hearts. Messages, both written and spoken, told of revival to come and of mighty blessings. Visions were given of countless multitudes hearing the word of God and receiving it. In spirit, we saw visions that left our imagination uncomprehensive. The lame walked, blind eyes were opened, and miracles of healing took place. God was going to loose a mighty river of life over this country. Another vision revealed the fall of one of the most powerful women in history, Eva Peron, the beautiful, evil, spiritist wife of the president, who had usurped more dictatorial power than her husband had. God was going to take her in hand and intervene to bring this nation unto himself, transforming it from paganism to Christianity, from idolatry to the worship of a living Jesus. As word got out of what God was going to do, scoffers were not lacking. Not having been in those many months of preparation, many could not believe such mighty prophecies and rejected them, unwilling to receive the word of the Lord. Strong and bitter opposition raised up against the little band. Some felt it was doing God a favor to openly reject and oppose. Some went so far into blasphemy that they were severely dealt with by God. Great suffering, sorrow, and death resulted. In spite of opposition, God continued on with his plan. He would not be hindered. The gates of hell could not prevail. Unbelieving and scoffing men could not detain him who is mighty to save. God had given spiritual weapons into the hands of believing children who dared to use them. The sword of the Lord, the shield of faith, prevailing prayer, and the blood of the Lamb. With these, the all-conquering Lion of the tribe of Judah had arisen to scatter his enemies. The power of his might would be seen again upon this earth. We continued to believe God. For two years, God had been leading us up to the place where we could move into his plan for victory, his plan for revival. It did not all begin on that morning, in early June, when the angelic visitor came to Alexander the Polish lad. That was but one of the glorious steps that led us ever upward into his high purposes. It's not our purpose to trace out all the beginnings, Probably we don't even know them all, nor are we trying to give credit to men. Many were the servants of God, who in utter obedience to him had their part in the many events that led up to these days. Our purpose is to give, as we know it, the direct line of the progression of events that led up to the movings and intervention of God at a given time in the history of men. All I can say is, wow! God came. God came and visited his people. 
We need him to come again. More of the historical story we'll share later, but that magical, satanic woman, Eva Peron, she was dealt with by God. She contracted in her young, beautiful body leukemia. She did everything she could to fight it, even flying into New York City for special medical treatment. And she died screaming and cursing. But she died. And then she went before her maker. She met her judge. What we're talking about today is a very, very serious issue. Part of our heartache is coming on this radio day after day and seeing such a small response. I know why it's a small response. It's because we don't have revival. We don't see the moving power of God transforming and changing the lives of men and women. We're in a desperate place. That has to change. We need to see and know the power of God today. Now, what happened here is not unusual. This is what God has often done. He did in the past. Reese Howells, in his years of intercession for revival, for the power of God to come and stop the Second World War. We saw a whole school given to intercession. They would listen to the radio and they would hear what was happening. They would move into intercession and God would gain the victory. Always God has called his people to pray, to intercede, and when they did, he heard them. Sometimes it would take years. Other times it was very quick. These young people in this institute, along with their teachers, the staff, were used by God as powerful intercessors in cooperation with the Holy Spirit to break down, and I don't understand what I'm saying, but I'll say it, to break down the walls the devil had established to bind the strong man and then cast him out to make way for the gospel of Jesus Christ. I came to college in Washington, D.C. area. I was assigned Washington as my place of service while I was in high school. The Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, This is the place where you will serve me. And I have served year after year. I've watched the great names of the Christian church come to Washington, D.C. and hold conferences, hold million-man marches, do all kinds of things on the mall. 
My pastor, David Wilkerson, while he was alive, even came from Times Square Church, set up a great place of public address on the mall downtown. Crowds gathered. When he left, he left Washington just like it was before he arrived, because the strong man still ruled Washington, D.C., the strong man is still ruling this city. And he has recruited many churches to become very worldly, to stop God's people from praying, to stop the flow of intercession for revival. Last night we were only the 13 people. But I want to tell you, the Holy Spirit came the whole atmosphere changed. And as Alexandra led the time of prayer after the preaching of the word, there were loud cries. There were tears as we interceded. We both said afterward, the only problem was it was too short of time. We needed more time to pray. I'm wondering, do you have any thoughts about this? Would you like to pray today for revival in Washington? If you would, call 877-534-0780. That's 877-534-0780. We're Ray and Alexandra Greenley. We're from the National Prayer Chapel. And frankly, at the National Prayer Chapel, we've gone through a very difficult time as everything of human endeavor and human flesh has been put away. And now we seek Jesus and full revival. Our only objective is to serve Jesus. Our only cry is revival. Revive us again, O Lord. Come down as in years past and meet your people. We'd like to pray with you. 877-534-0780 Alexandra, as you've read with me this chapter. Do you have any literary analysis you'd like to share? I don't know about literary analysis, but there are a few things that jump out at me as we read it. One of the first things that jumps out at me is this revival came to a Bible institute. So these were Christians who were serious enough that they'd said, we want to devote our lives to missionary activity to teaching the Bible, the students, you know, these were teenagers who said, I want to devote my life to the work of the gospel. That's the only reason they would go to a Bible institute. And so I find it striking that when the Holy Spirit first came, that they were all struck with such fear and that they began to cry out for mercy for their own souls. I'm sure that if you'd ask these people before the Holy Spirit came, you know, are you right with God? They would have said, yes, I, I know that I've been converted. 
I've repented, I'm walking clean with Jesus. But then when the Holy Spirit came, it was that experiencing how holy and terrible the presence of God is that really converted many of them or perhaps brought them to an even deeper place with God. So that's one thing that jumps out to me. And I know that as we pray for revival in Washington, D.C., that this is what we'll begin to see happening in the churches, is we'll begin to see you dear radio listeners in your churches begin to cry out to God for mercy because you realize that you're hellbound and you don't realize that now. But a sign that revival is coming or has come is this change in the church. And then after that, we read that they began to be burdened with the burden that Jesus has for the lost. And this is something that Pastor Ray talked about at our meeting last night. He did a close reading of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane the night before he was crucified. And how God laid the weight of all of the agony for the lost on Jesus. And it was so crushing that he began to even sweat blood. And that's what these people went through at this Bible Institute, is they really began to be in an agony of soul for Argentina, for all these cities that the Holy Spirit showed them. And I'm surprised that it took several months for them to get through. But we see the results as we read through the rest of this book. And if you just look at the history of Argentina, you see the tremendous results in how revival was poured out. What are your thoughts on it? Well, I'm struck also by the young woman who, when the Holy Spirit came, packed her suitcase and fled because she did not want to deal with her sin. Yes. And part of what we've experienced when we go into a church and begin to talk about the real issues and the real sin without the full power of the Holy Spirit, people become deeply offended. They get angry. They feel insulted. How could you dare speak to us that way? We're the church. And yet they haven't won a soul to Jesus probably ever. They have not served Jesus in any Holy Spirit way, but because they have intellectual knowledge and a sentimental feeling, and because they were baptized, often by sprinkling, not by immersion, they think they're set and ready to go to heaven. And part of what struck me in this story, I think it was you were reading it, was how God did a cleansing work in their hearts, a breaking work in their hearts, a healing work in their hearts to fit them for the work of intercession. I've heard people for many years say, oh, I'm a prayer warrior, and they say it with some amount of pride. And you know as soon as they say that, they're not a prayer warrior. They're a make-believe prayer warrior because the work of breaking and healing and changing 
has not taken place in their heart. I, I read this story with astonishment. Uh, we read it last night and then I read it by myself this morning saying, Lord, please come. Please send the holy visitor to us. Another thing that strikes me about this story is I feel like we're reading a really detailed account of what was probably happening in that first church yes, before the day of Pentecost and then after Pentecost. You know, it says the whole church was gathering daily for prayer and that people were being added to the church daily, thousands being baptized. So it's very compressed in the scripture. We don't get a very good idea of what was actually happening. But I like this account because we see what it, what does it really look like when the Holy Spirit comes. And it's I find it quite shocking. I mean, I've never been in a church like this in my life. And I'm sure some of you listening, you think this is strange. Or you may be like some of the people in this story who said, you know, this is the work of the devil. This isn't the work of God. God couldn't do something like this. Maybe some of you are saying, you know, miracles were just for the apostolic age and now they've ceased. I mean, it's a very, it really confronts our current church's condition because we see that how we are being church now and what our church meetings look like do not resemble what God intends them to look like. And we prayed this at the meeting last night. This really ought to cause us to start crying out to God for mercy because it is a judgment of God against the church that this power of the Spirit to save, to heal, the power of the Spirit for prophecy, this is this has almost completely withdrawn from many of the churches in America. And when I speak to people, a lot, you know, people who do believe in miracles, they say, oh, you know, it would be great if God healed someone. I don't know why God's not healing anyone. It would be great if people came to Jesus. But there isn't like this sense of having offended God and then and recognizing that these things aren't happening because we have offended God. So I think this is definitely a place to begin in in confession and asking God to remove this judgment against the church. And this isn't just a historical phenomenon. This is what's going on today in many churches around the world. You can go on YouTube even and you can see this happening in churches in China, in India. You can read accounts of the revivals happening in Nepal, other parts of the world. So it's not okay that this is not happening in the American church. It's a, it's like a billboard sign from God that something is desperately wrong. And this has to be changed. And it will only be changed as we come to our senses and begin to pray and read the scriptures. And when we read the scriptures we begin to find feelings about these issues. And Alexandra, you've been reading a lot of Finney lately. There's a chapter on how to create feelings. Yes. Would you describe that for us? 
Yes, I don't have it in front of me, but Finney talks about, you know, Christians often ask, how am I supposed to get feeling? And so he gives some really practical advice. He says, the way to get feeling is you begin by reading the scriptures, and then you take time to meditate on what you've read. And the way you meditate on it is you go before the Lord and you let the Holy Spirit lead your mind to think about what you've read in light of the world around you. So for example, if you're reading Jeremiah and you read about how God says he's going to send famine, the sword, um, pestilence upon the people of Israel because they have turned to idols. So you read that in Jeremiah and that, that should be frightening to you if you actually believe that. And you can look historically and see that it all did happen the way God said it would. So you read that and then you think about, okay, well, how am I behaving? Or how is my church behaving? How is my family behaving? And then you begin to see, this is frightening because if God did this to the nation of Israel, if God so punished them that they had to resort to eating their own sons and daughters to survive because they were worshiping false gods, then what is going to happen to my family that denies Jesus, has no interest at all in going to church, has no interest in reading the Bible? So then you start to actually get feelings about that. Um, and then you continue to read and to meditate and to pray and then as you begin to actually reach out and speak to people, you know, and encourage them to come to Christ, then that will also increase your feeling. Well, we're almost out of time for today's broadcast. We do have some callers, but I'm not going to be able to take them. We're almost out of time. I can't do justice to a caller in the short time we have remaining. But there are a couple things I want to say to you very quickly, please. This radio broadcast is going to continue being focused on Jesus and on revival and changing what's happening through prayer and intercession until the Holy Spirit comes in power. He's promised me he is coming. I know he's coming. Now, in the meantime, our radio bill for this month is going to be $4,000. We are not even beginning to be there. If I were to do an offertory today, I would have to begin at the $2,000 mark. We've never been this far behind before. If you, if you are concerned and you want this message to be broadcast in Washington, we need to hear from you. Would you write to us at the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. That's the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. You can also give online at our website, which is nationalprayerchapel.com nationalprayerchapel.com 
and I'd like to ask if you called today and we couldn't get you on, would you call back tomorrow and call towards the beginning of the broadcast? We begin at one o'clock. We'd really like to have you on the air. Now, I also want to be very clear with you. We are going to go straight ahead with National Prayer Chapel, with Pilgrim's Progress, we're not going to stop. We are believing God is going to provide the resources for us to move straight ahead. He's called us to revival. We're not going to stop. But we need the strong man bound. And we need other Christians who will step up and say, Pastor Ray and Alexandra, we stand with you. If you're willing to do that, would you contact us? We'd love to hear from you. You can contact us through our website by email. Just go to nationalprayerchapel.com. You'll also find our mailing address there, which Pastor Ray just gave. And Alexandra, how can they hear the message last night, A Place of Crushing? We have not posted that yet, but I'm hoping that we can get the video up on YouTube very soon. So that will be on the Revival Now YouTube channel, which is separate from the Pilgrim's Progress YouTube channel. We want you to hear that broadcast. The Lord moved powerfully last night. Now, let us pray. Lord Jesus, this is all for you. Our time, our energy, our money. Revival. Revival now. Lord, it's all for you. Would you come and meet us today? I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. God bless you all. We love you. We'll talk to you soon. Great joy. Now unto him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy with great Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.